Good morning, River Life family and friends. We're so glad you're here. Good morning online. All right, things Jesus never said. Why would we address this issue? Why don't we talk about things he said instead of what he didn't say? Well, I think that too often we take things for granted and um, we listen to what other people say that Jesus has said. And then after a while, because they put their spin on it, we actually believe what they said instead of what Jesus said. And so it helps to address what these things that Jesus never said. And the second thing is, when you know what he didn't say, it often helps you understand even better what he actually did say. All right, so have you ever thought about dropping everything, kind of running away, and just following your heart? Like, honestly, have you ever thought about that? I have. I'm a runner. When things get hard, when things are really challenging, and when I feel really unhappy, I, I fantasize about running away. Partly because I think I'll feel better if I just leave everything behind and do what I, I want to do. I want to feel good about myself. I want to be happy. And the fantasy is running away will help me do that. Why shouldn't I be happy? I mean, come on. Why not have that second serving of tiramisu? YOLO! Why not drink until you don't have a care in the world? Do what feels good to you. Why not move in with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Follow your own heart. Why not spend all your time and energy at work? Go for it. Go for it. Why not spend to your heart's content on clothes, games, shoes, vacations, boats, houses, whatever you want? Do what makes you happy. Why not live any way you want to? You do you, boo. Why not? Let's be honest. Many of us have believed and even lived out some of these sayings, especially that one about do what makes you happy. At the core of these mantras is the belief that there is no absolute truth about what is right or what is wrong. The only absolute truth is that you get to define what is truth. This way of thinking is known as relativism. Truth is relative depending on who you are, your culture, your gender, your time in history. Truth is relative. And therefore, all points of view are equally valid. Yours, mine, everybody else's. The only problem is, Jesus never said that. And he never said, do what makes you happy. So today we're going to look at a story that has all the makings of a hit murder mystery podcast. There's, a, there's powerful, greedy men who are ready to commit murder. There's a spicy sex scandal with a scantily clad woman. 
and a tense showdown between our hero and a mob. Turn with me to John 8, verse 2 through 11. You can read along with me. At dawn, he, Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older one first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. All right. I need prayer because what I'm about to preach is either going to make you very angry or set you free. So join me in prayer. Jesus, your words are life. Your words bring truth. I pray that now. Jesus, would you remove me out of the way? Let your spirit have his way in this sermon, Lord. Speak to each person's heart. Holy Spirit, you do the job of convicting, of drawing, of leading people to Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So what do we really mean when we say these words? Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. The danger is that there are half-truths mixed together with hidden lies. Half-truths and lies. The half-truth is that happiness is actually a very valid, worthwhile thing. And in case you're wondering, God wants you to be happy. It is a very godly thing to be happy. Another half-truth is that happiness is your birthright, that you have a right to it. In fact, it is the American dream put in our Declaration of Independence, which says all humans are, quote, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, 
and the pursuit of happiness. Happiness is valid, and as a human being, you deserve to be happy. The subtle lies often hidden is that you know what you need to be happy. You know. You just, you just naturally know what's going to make you happy. And whatever you choose is good, and whatever you choose will bring you happiness. What a bunch of pitiful lies. You know that that second serving of tiramisu is not good for you. And ultimately, it actually doesn't bring happiness. I mean, you know these lies. And yet, we often believe it. But let's look at what Proverbs 14, 12 says instead. It sets us straight. And here, Solomon says, there is a way that seems right to a person, but it ends in the way of death. We see this in the story that we just read, that the encounter with Jesus. The religious zeal of the scribes and the Pharisees, they thought that was a really good thing. It seemed right to them to be, um, be pious and religious and to, to plan to entrap Jesus because Jesus was leading people astray and he was taking away all the people's uh, adoration and worst of all, Jesus was proclaiming things that, that the Jewish leaders didn't believe. And so in their hearts, they truly believed that what they were doing was good and right. But they didn't realize that they were facing spiritual death. They were rejecting the Messiah whom they knew all about from their scriptures. But when he appeared on the scene, they couldn't even recognize him. In fact, their, their religious zeal allowed them to even consider murder. In the chapter before, in John 7, verse 1, it actually says that they got together, and they're like, we got to plan a way to kill Jesus. They got to the point where they thought murder was, was part of being religious. And they didn't think anything of using this woman and judging her but actually just using her to make a point and to trap Jesus. How about the woman? By the way, I'm not sure I want to go down in history as the woman caught in adultery, but that's how we know her as. So the woman caught in adultery, she was facing physical death. She thought, hey, I'm, I'm lonely I'm looking for love. This guy, he's going to give me love. Why shouldn't I be happy? She did not think that it might lead to physical death, that some people might stone her. She probably thought, if people find out, I might face social death, right? People will shun me. People will call me uh, all the names in the book, right? And I'll be a social outcast. And certainly she didn't realize that she was facing spiritual death. She was coveting her neighbor's husband. She was 
having sex outside of marriage, she was facing death from what she thought was good and would bring her happiness. But were they really happy? How did the most educated and religious men of their day get to the place of plotting entrapment and murder? How did a normal housewife end up half-dressed, humiliated in public, and threatened with death? Lest you think that only greedy religious leaders and wanton fallen women are blind enough to think that what they are doing is good and right, let us return to the premise of relativism, relativism, which is each person has the right to define what is true, what is good, what makes them happy. Again, the premise. Each person has the right to define what is true, what is good, what makes them happy. Now, Proverbs 16, verse 2a claims that all a person's ways seem pure to them. That $600 purse that I once bought for my birthday, or that fourth set of fine china that I just bought last weekend, that doesn't hurt anyone. Working hard to get as many followers as possible on Instagram, that's just smart. Chatting online and flirting at work, it's all innocent. That eating, drinking, gambling, porn habit, it's all legal. I think we might be protesting too much. That second part of Proverbs 16 actually says, but motives are weighed by the Lord. So together, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. In other words, they may look innocent and you may think it's okay, but God's actually reading your heart, and he sees what's in your heart. The sad reality is what you think will make you happy is killing you. What you think will make you happy is killing you. Murderous plots don't just pop into your thoughts one day. Sleeping with someone who is not your spouse doesn't just happen on a whim. It is usually a slow process that takes you down a dangerous road. One small step at a time, one decision leading to another decision to another decision. As the song, It's a Slow Fade, written by John Mark and Mark Hall, and sung by Casting Crown, elaborates, here's what it says. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. When black and white have turned to gray and thoughts invade, choices made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. Daddies never crumble in a day. 
families never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. James, the brother of Jesus, writing in James 1, verse 13 through 15, explains it this way. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is, fully gro- when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Sin leads to death, but every good and perfect gift is from God. Paul explains about sin in Romans 6, verse 23, saying, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. All right. I'm pretty sure that at this moment, one of you is thinking that, hey, Bonfoy, you're wrong. That thing that I think is going to make me happy, it's not sinful. It doesn't break God's law. It is not me rebelling against God. Okay, I'll give you that. Not everything that you want, that you think will make you happy, is sin. Most of the time. But let's be honest. Most of the time when you have to say, I will do what makes me happy, there are usually the implications of, I'm so tired of people telling me what to do, so I'm going to make my own decision. And... Often it's, I don't care what you think anymore. I don't care what anybody thinks. In fact, I'm not sure I care what God thinks. I'm going to do what makes me happy. That's usually how we use that phrase, do what makes you happy. You don't usually say, hey, stop telling me what to do. I'm going to do what makes me happy by obeying God. We rarely say that. Sin is doing things my way rather than God's way. Sin is taking happiness into my own hands and running with it. Sin promises momentary happiness at the cost of a full life now and happiness forever. Sin promises momentary happiness at the cost of a full life now and happiness forever. Sin is fun. And if it isn't, then you're doing it wrong. Because that's why we do it. It feels good. We wouldn't think it brings happiness if it didn't feel good. But that happiness is temporary and it's transient. It it doesn't last. In Romans 6.23, as we just read, Paul contrasts the death that sin brings and the gift of life that God gives us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John 10, verse 10, 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they, the sheep, may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. King David understood this full life. And he wrote in Psalm 16, verse 11, you make, me know, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And David is talking about God. Dear brothers and sisters, Jesus never said, do what makes you happy. He never said, do what makes you happy. Instead, in Matthew 16, verse 24 through 26, this is what we read. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is saying to you and to me, don't do what makes you happy for a little while. Do what will make you happy forever. Don't do what makes you happy for a little while. Do what will make you happy forever. The woman caught in adultery must have been so surprised and greatly relieved. She thought that Jesus would condemn her for her folly and her sin. She thought she was going to be stoned to death. Instead, Jesus gave her grace, truth, and freedom. Grace, I do not condemn you. Truth, stop your life of sin. Stop living for momentary happiness at the cost of your soul. Freedom, be free to live a new life now. Jesus offers the same grace, truth, and freedom to you and me today. He offers you forgiveness and a new life that is filled with joy in his presence now and eternal pleasures and happiness by his side for eternity. If you have wandered away from God and have chased your own happiness, Jesus says to you, these are his exact words, those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Repent means to turn around. Repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, if you're sitting here and you have actually never trusted Jesus before with your happiness, with your life, with your soul, Jesus says to you, 
in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. Brothers and sisters, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. If you fall into either of these camps, please come forward afterwards and talk to Pastor Greg, talk to me, and we will celebrate with you in this eternal happiness. Join with me in prayer. Jesus, your word brings life, so I pray that upon us, that you would bring us back to the truth that happiness, true happiness, is found only in your presence, and that every good gift comes from you, and that we don't need to run after it for ourselves. I bless your people in your beautiful and powerful name. Amen.